did, FYI. Um, so welcome to Conversations with Kesey. This is our first one of the semester. Thank you for joining us in this experiment. Um, our goal is that this is a conversation, right? So we have this wonderful opportunity, opportunity um, with using Zoom now to get speakers in here that we might not be able to do otherwise if we had to bring them to campus and get you all into a room. So we're really grateful that Brandon joined us um, from wherever he is at the moment and that you are all joining us from wherever you are at the moment um, and we're able to talk. So we want this to be conversational. Um, Brandon has a lot of insights and lots of fun things to share with us that we'll give him plenty of time to do. Uh, but we wanna make sure that you have time to ask your questions too. So if you submit something beforehand, we have that and we have that ready to ask. Um, if you didn't and you think of something along the way, feel free to ask it. Um, we've got a few questions that we'll get started with and then there'll be a space and time for you to ask those. Um, go ahead and I said this earlier, but leave your cameras on if you would like. Um, again, conversation, right? We, we like to see your faces. Um, and we'll talk for a while, right? And, until we, we wrap things up. Um, we won't keep you too long though. So you know, we, know, we know you probably have other things to do on a Friday. So um, I'll start by introducing our student moderator today, because um, this is the last thing you'll be hearing from me. Uh, Aperva graciously offered to do this. She's the VP of Education for ABP this year. Um, and I found out recently started her own podcast. <laughs> so perfect person to lead this discussion. So I'm gonna pass it over to Aperva. Yeah, well, thank you all for joining us today. I'm so excited for this. Um, and thank you so much for joining us, Brandon. Um, so I guess just to start off, we'll probably have a few questions that we had people ask us and just some questions that'll help um, you get more information on Brandon and we'd open it up to all of you from there. So um, I guess the first question is just, could you tell us about yourself and your personal and professional background? Yeah, of course. Um, hi, everyone. Um, I'll start with, I guess, more the, the personal background. So um, originally I'm from Southern Indiana, um, about two hours south of Bloomington, near Jasper, Indiana, for those of you who are familiar with that. Um, and then, you know, attended IU and, and studied finance and operations management there. Um, on campus, most of my, like, campus involvement um, was or a lot of it was was in QT and specifically ABP. I, I joined as first year student and, and stayed involved through my senior year uh, when I had the opportunity to be president. So really, really enjoyed that experience overall and, and learned a ton from it. Um, and then in addition to QT and ABP was also involved as a campus tour guide um, through the Office of Admissions all four years. Also really, really enjoyed that and miss it. Um, and then involved with um, the consulting workshop. And then graduated from IU in 2018 and, and started working at Lean & Company here in Chicago in September of 2018. So uh, yesterday was actually my, exactly my two year anniversary um, in the post-college post world. Um, and you know, at Bain, I'm a consultant um, for those of you who are familiar with that. So, so definitely still in like private sector business focused that being said, you know, fortunately at Bain and, and at a lot of different places where you can work post-graduation, there's probably other things you can get involved in beyond just kind of your day-to-day -day job. Um, and that was definitely part of my like search process too when thinking about jobs. So, so fortunately at Bain, I've had a few opportunities to, to, to do what have been meaningful things to me at least outside of my day-to-day -day job. Um, one of those things is you can get involved in kind of pro bono or nonprofit consulting on the side. 
Um, another thing, and I can speak more about all of these things later, but another thing is at Bain, you can actually leave the firm for four months to go do something else, whatever it is you're interested in. So I used those four months to get some experience in public sector, and I worked for the city of Chicago in the mayor's office from mid-April to mid-August of this year, uh, which, as you can imagine, was was a very interesting time to, to work in local government and um, challenging, but but really, really rewarding, and I learned a lot. Um, and and then I'm also really involved in, in recruiting um, at Bain, which I also find really meaningful because, you know, when I was a student at IU, going through recruiting processes can be very intimidating, as I'm sure many of you are familiar with. Um, but, you know, I did feel like I had a lot of support throughout that process, um, especially from Bain. So, so now getting involved in it on the other side um, has kind of been my way to, to give back um, to IU students. So I'm involved in IU recruiting. And then I'm also really involved in um, our BGLAD recruiting. BGLAD is our LGBTQ plus affinity group. Um, so I've been really involved with that even, even beyond IU. Um, and then taking one step back again and, and going to actual like casework, so my day-to-day -day job, um, I've had six different uh, cases or like client projects I've worked on since, since joining Bain. Four of those have been in the retail space, uh, one in pharmaceuticals, and then one in aerospace. Um, so those have been kind of the industry experiences, but those have spanned from being like a post-divestiture, um, process management, um, revenue growth strategy, um, uh, potential M&A activity and helping them think through that as a potential option. So quite a variety, wide variety of uh, different like capabilities that I've gotten experience in as well, which is one of the benefits of consulting and, and broadly why I chose to get into that. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um... I'm from India, so very far away from Indiana. <laughs> but um, I, you touched upon this a little, but in terms of social impact and your experiences with ABP and Kisi, how did you integrate that into your career and how did you integrate social impact into your career? Yeah, um, I think there's, there's probably a couple ways uh, that that has been integrated. There's, there's like the, the direct way um, and then more of like the indirect way of just like how being involved with PC and ABP probably affected my, my mindset post-graduation. So I'll start with like the direct way where, um, you know, through KC, through ABP, you, you have opportunities to engage with nonprofits in, in a variety of ways and um, kind of try to meaningfully contribute to, to those missions or, or, or goals. Um, and, and I got involved in that in college and, and was really interested in it because I found it valuable experience as well as, you know, a meaningful way to, to feel like I was making an impact. So in terms of like directly how that's affected post-graduation, that's, that's ultimately what led me to get involved um, with one of our like pro bono consulting opportunities on the side of Bain. So from January through like uh, through May of this year, I participated in like a pro bono consulting thing for a nonprofit based in Connecticut um, focuses on providing legal services to at-risk veteran populations. And, you know, this was on the side in addition to my normal casework. So it's a few hours a week for those months. Um, but it was really cool because just like in, in ABP where, where we did some consulting escort for these partner organizations, 
you know, that's what we were doing here. A few hours on the side, a group of like six of us, we were advising them on um, their, their fundraising strategy because especially in COVID times, that looks different. You, you can't have the in-person fundraising events. You have to kind of rethink how, how you still get that revenue or get that inflow. Um, so we helped them think through that, worked with them regularly, and, and they were really impressed with the work and, and appreciate it and ultimately asked us to present at their like broader um, entire nonprofit board meeting in June. Um, so it was really cool to like, you know, is just kind of a continuation of these things that I did at IU um, with KC and ADP, which, which was really cool. And, you know, I'll definitely recruiting season is very busy because like I said, I'm pretty involved in that, but post recruiting season, I definitely want to be involved in another one of those um, like pro bono opportunities on the side. And then there's the indirect piece, which is more of just, I think, kind of the mindset where, um, you know, getting involved in KC and ADP and at IU and those experiences that I had, one of the benefits of it is, you know, it, it opens your mind to um, maybe people with different backgrounds, grew up in different circumstances than, than you did. Um, and it also, I think, is a really cool way to realize that business skills can be applied outside of just the private sector. Um, and, and, and again, I keep saying this, but KC and ADP was kind of my first exposure to that hands-on experience with, hey, you, you can take these business skills, normally be applied in private sector, and also apply them to a nonprofit or public sector to make them run more efficiently and, and ultimately have a greater impact. So, so that's kind of what led me to um, kind of think through my short-term career goals and, and led me to that externship I mentioned where I wanted to see for myself how I could take these business skills that I developed in college and developed in my first year and a half at Bain and apply them in the public sector and here in the city of Chicago. And it was a, a really great experience and I truly did feel like I made an impact. Um, I worked mostly on their COVID recovery efforts. So that was everything from um, helping with a grant program for small businesses that were have experienced financial losses due to COVID to kind of advising businesses on the reopening guidelines and what that means for their specific circumstances. Um, and then also helping set up like an online PP marketplace for local businesses preparing to reopen of, hey, there was, especially earlier this year, a shortage of PPE nationally. So ahead of reopening, like, how do you get that? So we facilitated that through this online marketplace. Um, so like very real examples of how I took these business skills, helped apply them in the public sector and, and made an impact that way. And it, you know, I think then post Spain, um, one of the things that I'm leaning toward right now is, is doing something public sector um, as like a full-time job post Spain, just to kind of continue that. And I think that all started, that mindset started with like AVP and, and KC. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's, I think that's so interesting and true though. I think no matter like what sort of corporate company you are, there's always different ways to get involved with social impact. And that's something that KC really emphasizes. But it's great to hear that you were able to do that at such a sort of direct level. Um, how do you feel like your experience that you've mentioned at the city, working with the city of Chicago or just in the public sector um, is different from your experience working as a consultant in the private sector? Um, yeah, good question. I think, so in some ways it's very similar and, and in some ways it's very different. 
Um, in terms of ways it's similar, like I think in both public and, and private sector, you're trying to approach things as strategically as possible and in a structured way um, so that you can make informed decisions, right? And, and back those decisions up. And then in terms of actually like implementing those ideas, you want to do it in as efficiently as possible because the more efficient it is, the, the faster it gets done, the lower cost, et cetera. And those are still kind of, that's your mindset, whether it's private or public sector. I think the most interesting way that I, it was very different that I didn't uh, realize going into it was in the, in the private sector, um, you know, you, you, I think you make decisions in a more, uh, like a more closed or smaller environment where, you know, you have, um, you discuss these possibilities with like the business's leadership. And of course, you kind of also have to um, please shareholders, things like that. But I think that decision is ultimately kind of made in a, in a smaller setting. Um, public sector is really interesting because you make these decisions in a small setting, but especially if like you're using taxpayer dollars, you have to think of every decision you're making as though the whole public knows about it and how would they react and, and thinking about, I think, more uh, different perspectives and, and, you know, you can't please everyone, but how do we please them most, uh, the largest amount of people possible? So I think it was just like a different mindset in terms of accountability slightly where, where in public sector, I think you are held more accountable um, because things you do like the public hears about and, and you think about how would they react. Whereas a small decision you make in private sector, the public's probably not going to hear about it. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. I've never thought about that. Um, so I know you also mentioned that you're very involved with recruiting at Bain and that's something that you feel passionately about. Um, what are some recruiting tips that you'd have for people who are either recruiting for Bain or just consulting in general? Um, and then also tips on how to do the case portion, I guess. Yep. Um, in terms of uh, like broadly recruiting for, for consulting or really this applies to anything is um, I think especially as like a junior or, or younger, you have the luxury of being able to cast a pretty wide net. And I think that's helpful for a couple of reasons. One is just the way math works. If you cast a wide net, your, your chances are better. Um, but, but also what's really good about it, especially as like a junior or earlier, is by casting a wide net, going through those different recruiting processes is a good way to learn a lot more about an individual firm or an individual sector, individual like uh, firm's culture, um, which you get some of that through like information sessions, et cetera. But by going through interview processes, I think you learn more about that. Um, and then when you come back to your senior year, you can be a little more focused with how you go through recruiting because you've now learned more about these different opportunities. You can make more informed decisions about where you think you'd be a best, like the best fit. Um, so that'd be like the broad advice in terms of specifically consulting or like case interviews. Um, the biggest piece of advice there is like practice, get, get started practicing sooner rather than later. Um, doing a case interview is not necessarily an intuitive process. Um, so like you want to get reps at going through that process and, and, and becoming more comfortable and confident with it. Um, 
And then the second piece of advice specifically about like case interviews or consulting interviews is understand how different firms approach that differently. Um, there's a lot of companies, there are a lot of firms within consulting that do case interviews, but most of them do it somewhat differently. And by thinking about, okay, what, what firms do I want to recruit with? Now within that set, how does each one approach case interviews? And then how can I specifically prepare for each firm's type of case interview? Um, yeah. So those would be, I think, the main pieces of, pieces of advice. Definitely. So did you recruit for Bain as a junior or a senior? Um, both. The, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did <laughs> So like going back to my advice of casting a white net junior year, um, that is what I did. I recruit with a lot of different firms. Um, and I think through that process, I um, got to know Bain pretty well and, and thought I, like it would be a really good place for me to start working post-undergrad. Um, unfortunately, I did not get an internship off of my junior year, but the like still having gone through that process as a junior was super helpful because I had experience going through their interview process and learned a lot more about the firm. So then senior year, I re-recruited with them. Um, continued practicing for case interviews, et cetera. And unfortunately it worked out then as a senior. Awesome. So I have a lot more questions to ask and if you let me, I'm gonna keep going, but I'm gonna open it up to all of you so you can ask any questions you have. <laughs> Hi, I had a question. Uh, my name's Kosu. Um, I was wondering how um, has your public sector work intersected with your private sector work? Like, um, yeah. Yeah, I, the, so I'll start by saying Bain doesn't do much public sector work. Um, some consulting firms do. So if that's something you're really interested in, definitely keep that in mind, like as you're going through recruiting processes with different firms and thinking about where you want to recruit. Uh, as a senior, I wasn't particularly interested in public sector yet. Um, so like the fact that being going to do public sector work wasn't an issue for me. Um, and it's still not like I'm glad I'm here, et cetera. But, but anyway, just wanted to call that out because, because of that, you know, I don't think those two things have really directly intersected for me. Um, but at some consulting terms, it can. But, but like I said earlier, is it still has intersected in more like the mindset or the general thinking about these skills I'm developing and how I'm developing them. So in that way, it has affected my Bain experience. So if you think about like consulting, there's different, there's a lot of skills you develop, but I think broadly, um, those are like probably in two different buckets. There's more of like the data analytics um, side of things. And then there's more of the client communication side of things. Um, so for me, I think both are very helpful, but I think I've been prioritizing more the client communication side of things, especially recently, because I've realized, hey, I think post-Bain, I, I might want to do something public sector. While the data analytics piece is still helpful for that, I think the client communication piece I'd probably use most in what I want to do next. Um, so I've been trying to prioritize that as I think about like upcoming cases that I could be staffed on, you know, I learn about what each one would involve and those that are more focused on 
the client piece and, and where I would get a lot of reps of trying to clearly communicate ideas and, and get buy-in from clients, et cetera. That's what I've been prioritizing because those types of things are very you know, important in public sector as well. So in that way, it kind of has overlapped or intersected. Well, thank you. Hey, Brandon, um, I had a quick question, I guess, during the recruiting process. So, you know, a lot of firms will like say that they value, whether it's like social impact or maybe like diversity and inclusion, um, and rightly so, but sometimes it's kind of hard to like gauge, you know, how invested they are in, in those initiatives. So do you have any tips for like evaluating like how, you know, invested a company is in something that they say? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I'd say the, probably the best way, like quickly assess that to the best of your ability, it's not going to be a perfect way, but it, it's like every firm, I'm sure, has some diversity and um, inclusion efforts, right? And at what level those are could vary, et cetera. But I'm sure every firm has some efforts there. But a good way to get at how big of a part of that firm's culture it is, is to ask specifically like the people you're talking to, like how does it impact your day-to-day? -day? Or how has it impacted your experience at the firm? Like what have you been involved in? Because by asking that question to people at these different firms, you're learning like, hey, is this something that the firm has going on kind of in the background, but people don't really get involved or it's not a huge part of day-to-day? -day? Or on the other side of that, is this something that like everyone's involved in it's much more top of mind for people in the firm, even at the office level, even at the like post undergrad level, et cetera. Um, I think that'd be like a good way to do that in a way that still you're being tactful about how you ask it. Definitely, that makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, well, this, this was a question that someone sent in as well. Um, it, it's a really interesting question. So there, they ask, what were some of the innovative solutions that you've seen being proposed in your consulting work that um, never made it to light? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think like the, so without giving like super specific examples, I mentioned um, one of the, the cases I've done has been more of like a revenue growth strategy case where we thought about, you know, you, you've been thinking about these different potential new revenue streams. Are they actually attractive or feasible? And as a Bain team, we went through that work and we ultimately had ideas for each of them and, and recommendations. But Having an outside-in idea is one thing, but what a consulting team will try to do but can only do so much is understanding like the inner workings of the firm and kind of the inner politics or of the company or the client and kind of the inner politics of the client and where an idea sounds good, unless there's buy-in from the right people internally, it's not going to happen. Um, and I think, I think, this comes up in consulting a lot and is probably one of the more frustrating pieces of consulting is you do all this work, you can have these ideas that you truly feel really good about, but then there's the implementation piece. Um, and some things go on to be implemented, 
some things they start trying to implement, but they just don't get the traction internally and it kind of fizzles out. Or some things we can have an idea, we can present it, but then it very quickly gets shut down from the client team. Um, so I'd say like that's broadly what happened. And I think, I think the takeaway from that is, is not just in consulting, but whatever you do post undergrad, it's kind of the importance of, of having credibility and getting buy-in from the people you work with, where you want to spend just as much, not just as much, but however you allocate this time, you spend time thinking of the idea and thinking about the insights and the analysis, et cetera. But then you also need to spend time thinking about how you frame it and how you present it or, or communicate it. Um, because then you get that buy-in and then hopefully it actually, you know, comes to fruition, uh, which is also then related to that piece I said earlier about like, as you buckets and consulting kind of the, the analysis or data analytics versus the client communication piece like you need to think about both and whatever you do awesome any more questions sure i can ask one um so what skill set do you think that you gained from EVP in your time in KC that's been most like um, attributed to your success at Bain and kind of helped you do your work? Yeah, I, um, the good thing about consulting is like, you can, there is no one major or these certain classes you need to take or this one experience that you need to have um, to like do consulting and do well in consulting. But I do think one thing that is really important and, and could apply to everyone is like that campus involvement and particularly any leadership roles you have on campus, those skills I think is what has most directly been beneficial to me post-graduation, just because like, this is just one example, but thinking about my senior year when, when I had the opportunity to be president of ABP, you know, by leading a student organization that involves encountering challenges, right? Like something's not going to go your way. In this case, I'm sure many of you did not expect to have to deal with um, more of a virtual environment this year. Like, how do you adapt? How does your student organization adapt to that? So you're going to face challenges. You're going to have goals and have to, like, think ahead of, okay, I have this goal that we want to be at by the end of the year. What are those steps to take to get there? And then you also have, like, the, the member piece of it of how do we keep our members engaged? How do we keep members satisfied and and have them contribute in a meaningful way. Like there's these different pieces you have to juggle and they all involve encountering issues like thinking about solutions, work planning and thinking about like what are those steps I need to take to get there. And those are the types of skills that you're gonna then apply to your job post-graduation. Um, no matter what you do, but like in consulting, what that has looked like for me is, hey, I start a new case. My part of, of the case is specifically trying to answer X, Y questions, like, okay, what are the steps I need to take to get there? I'm gonna encounter challenges along the way and how do I overcome those, et cetera. So it's very much so like, it, it mirrors, I think that, that leadership experience you get in, in campus involvement. Well, this is, this is also like a really skill-based question. It goes off of Ankit's question, I guess. So what are some, like skills that you use on a day-to-day -day basis as a consultant and what are, what does your day look like as a consultant? Yeah. Um, if anyone has ever 
talk to consultants, they'll say like, there is no average day because it, it truly does vary a ton. Um, but I would say like, you could probably summarize the types of things you would do on a day-to-day -day basis as being, let me, let me list them off. There's probably a handful. There's, there's going to be the, the work planning piece where, okay, at the beginning of each day, I need to think about, okay, today I need to do, I need to get X, Y, Z done today. What, how do I prioritize those? What's most important? Yeah, how much time do I allocate to each of them, et cetera. So there's, there's the work planning piece. There's the actual kind of a next piece, whereas you're going through these things, you have to not just be process focused of like, don't just go through the motions and, and create the slide, but think about, okay, based on this data, what's the most important takeaway? What, what most directly kind of addresses the client's question, et cetera. Um, then there's the team piece, which is like the first review layer that anything you do goes through is your own case team. So, okay, I, I created this slide with this insight. Now, how do I communicate that to my manager to get her buy-in that, hey, this is, this is right, um, you know, this is important, et cetera. So there's the team piece and then, and then there's the client piece where you, you know, may have a meeting with, with a client where, okay, how do I plan for that meeting? Like, what are the objectives? Um, how do I clearly communicate what I'm trying to say and get their buy-in, et cetera. And, and also then based on feedback they have, how do I synthesize that and incorporate it into my work moving forward? So I would say like the, the process work planning, the insights, the team and the client are like the four main pieces within consulting that you'll probably encounter most, if not all of them on a day-to-day -day basis, but maybe one day is very much so more on the, like you're doing your own work, your own analytics, your own insights. Um, and maybe the next day is much more client focused because you have three client meetings back to back to back. Um, so that's how it can vary. But I think broadly, those are the, the main types of work. Awesome. I've got a question kind of going off the discussion about like values and potentially interests outside of your like job descriptions. So have you had to compromise on any of those? And if so, how do you manage that balance? Yeah, um, I think, again, there's like the, the, indirect, the direct and indirect piece here. So directly, that could come up of, you know, maybe you don't, maybe you get staffed to a client that you don't feel super aligned with and you don't necessarily, you're not energized by supporting them. Um, and for me, like, I did not, I wasn't begging to be on my pharmaceuticals case um, just because like I, it wasn't an industry I was interested in. I, um, I'm not saying all pharmaceuticals companies are bad, but like, you know, they're in the press a lot. And, and I, I just wasn't sure how I felt about, about that work. Um, and, and those are things you can voice likely to like your staffing manager, whoever is making those decisions. But to me, I, I didn't feel strongly enough about it to like, put my foot down or, or even feel like I was informed enough to have such an opinion. So I'd say like the direct piece is, is that's where it could come, but I think there's probably always going to be some type of value. And for me, it was, hey, this is, this is an industry that comes up a lot in 
today's world, um, and people feel quite strongly about it, or some people feel quite strongly about it. But I acknowledged, hey, it's not an industry I knew a ton about. So I still recognize, like, by, by having that case, I still became more informed on an industry that I felt it was important to know more about. Um, so in, in that way, like, I still value that experience. So, like, that's kind of directly how that could come. Um, another piece how that could come more directly is, you know, as we, as we talk about like diversity and inclusion, um, no company is perfect in that way. And some people you work with are probably going to um, prioritize diversity and inclusion more than others. So thinking about like, you know, if you, if you do ever encounter someone in, in a work environment who maybe makes a side comment or um, somehow doesn't comes across as not supporting diversity and inclusion. Um, I'd say like that's the other way that it could come up directly or one of the other ways that could come up directly. And I think it's just knowing like what's the best way to approach that is should I, should I mention something to them or if it's someone more senior than me, how do I uh, escalate that or elevate it, et cetera. Um, but I think like Bain and other firms have pretty good processes in place to escalate things like that if necessary. So then, then there's like the, the more indirect way, which is, you know, broadly, um, I really value the experience that I'm gaining in the private sector and at Bain and in consulting. Um, I recognize like long-term, I don't, I like, I don't think I want to do consulting long-term. Um, I think I want to do something public sector, maybe nonprofit, et cetera. Um, something that more so aligns, I think, with my, my values or overall goals, but it's finding this balance between recognizing the skills I'm developing in this current role and like the experience I'm having and overall it being a good experience, um, balancing that with actually making the transition. And where do you draw that line? Because how often do I want to keep accelerating or developing a skill that are really quick rate before making that jump, et cetera. Um, and I think that's like, a, as I talk to people who started the same year as me, that's something a lot of people are thinking about. Like some people do want to stay at Bainer and consulting long-term. I mean, that's great. Some people want to kind of transition to something they're more interested about or more interested in whether that's a startup or a certain industry or public sector. They want to make that transition very, very soon. It's also great. Some people are kind of more in, I think, my camp of trying to find that balance between at what point does it make sense to make that transition because I'm recognizing that I'm developing a lot of skills right now that I know will be valuable post that transition. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's really interesting. Thank you. Awesome. Does anyone have like a last question before I ask my last question and we wrap up? Um, I have a quick one. So what was the transition like from like private to public sector, especially maybe like the application or recruiting process for that? Did Bain help you or were you well on your own for that? Um, I feel like it's it's a little bit of both where, you know, in, um, when you're in undergrad recruiting, it's typically a more formalized process where you have career fairs and these opportunities are posted on, I think it's, is it Handshake now? Um, you have these like systems in place to, to facilitate that recruiting process. Most of the time, post that first job, making another transition is not going to be as formal and it's more about like relying on your network doing your own 
internet searching and, and um, finding opportunities that appeal to you, sending cold messages on LinkedIn, which I did during my externship search. Um, so it's thinking about like, what are those different avenues I could take? Um, and, and the first job out of undergrad may help with that. Like, like Bain generally does help with helping you make that transition to whatever you do next, whether it's having a formal kind of job posting thing for next opportunities or having like an alumni database where you can see where former Bainies now work and then reach out accordingly. So like Bain does help with that, which is really helpful. Like broadly, the, the point is it, it's probably not going to be quite as formal of a process. Um, post that first job. And sorry, was there a second part to your question? Now I forget. I think you pretty much answered no. it. Okay. Thank you. Okay, well, I'm going to ask two more questions. <laughs> um, so I guess in terms of taking care of your mental health, how do you balance, um, you know, your work and your professional success, but also taking care of how you're feeling up there? <laughs> Yeah, uh, very good question. Um, and I think like, you know, especially in consulting where it is um, a lot of hours, like how to do that is, is a constant, constant challenge. Um, I think the, there's kind of two advice there. One is not being afraid to have open dialogue. So one of the things that 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 Bain really emphasizes is, you know, it is a lot of hours, but we recognize uh, people have their own lives, and those things that are most important to everyone who works here, those vary. Some people have kids. Some people, um, you know, may not have kids, but but may have other things that are really important to them. Um, and it's about having th those clear are those conversations with say your manager at the beginning of each case of, Hey, to me, what's really important is being able to um, work out three times a week or being able to um, kind of go offline from X to X time to have time with my kids or put my kids to bed or, you know, whatever that may be. But unless you say that to your manager, how are they going to know? And then, and then plan around it. So that's one piece. Um, I think the second piece, is in school or in undergrad, you know, you have a specific assignment and a lot of times it's quite explicit of you need to do X, Y, Z, and then it's done and you submit it and you, you don't have to think about it anymore. Um, in consulting and probably in most jobs post-graduation, you can always do more. And you could do, you could do the, the version that just passes. You could do the version that exceeds expectations, you could do the version that does not meet, ex you know what I mean? There's different degrees to which you could do something um, because you don't just like click submit and it's done and it's offline. Like it has oftentimes like longer term implications. So it's, it's finding that balance internally of, okay, like I could do more, but it's X time, you know, I want to sign off and have an hour to myself tonight and it's a, still a version I'm pleased with. Um, and like, that's a con like I said, that's a constant thing you need to have in your mind of, of to what degree do you want to push yourself where it's a sustainable experience, but you're still kind of doing work you're, you're pleased with. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, that makes sense. And I think like what you said about having open dialogues too is so important. Um, I was talking to Mia Kinder, who is also a Kesey alum, so many great Kesey alum. <laughs> and, I, um, and she does like a lot of like mental health programming at Deloitte. And she talked about how important it is for people to have conversations about this because it really helps destigmatize it, especially if you're someone in a position of power. Um, you know, it's really different when your boss comes into the office and they're willing to like be all like, hey, how are you feeling today? You know, how was your like counseling appointment? Maybe not that personal, but <laughs> around those lines. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, yeah, that's a good point. So that's great advice. Um, my last question that I just want to wrap it up with, are there any questions you wish we asked you that we didn't ask you or any advice that you <laughs> really want to give us that we just could not cover? <laughs> um, not really a question. I, I'd say like um, just one one last call out is through all this, like I definitely don't want to make it seem like I'm villainizing the private sector or even certain industries or consulting, et cetera. Like um, uh, fortunately, like being, being in this role for two years, I can look back and acknowledge like all, how much I've developed certain skills and, and the valuable experiences I've had, et cetera. And, and I really, really appreciate all that. Um, but I think it's also good to always be kind of pushing yourself or challenging yourself of like, what's really important to me? How does what I'm doing now help me get to those longer term goals? Or, you know, maybe it's, it's being true to yourself and realizing like, Hey, I'm not doing something now that I really want to do long term. Like what, what do these next few years look like to help me get there? So um, like the downer there is, like I said, I'm not villainizing private sector at all. Um, some people really like private sector and same private sector the whole lives and that's great. I think for me though, like, especially in Kelly, I think that's the majority. And if you feel other than that, maybe you feel a little more isolated as though you're different of in like, hey, I'm, I'm studying business, but that's not my long-term goal. So I just wanted to like say these things to, to make it seem like, or to make it clear that there are different perspectives. Um, and I think like, whatever that career path looks like for you is totally fine, but still push yourself to think about how do you get there? What steps do you need to take to get there and what's that look like? Um, so I just wanted to make that note at the end. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Brandon. And thank you everyone. I hope you all learned something new. I definitely did. Courtney, do you have any like last thoughts? You're muted. <laughs> There Every meeting that has to happen at least once. Right? No one else had done it yet, so I needed to, I needed to take that for the team. Um, I think Brooke's hoping to get a picture. So if we can all I look am. at our cameras and smile, that would be wonderful. <laughs> okay, thank you guys. And if you don't want to be on the Kesey Instagram, you can message me. But thank <laughs> you so much. All right, thank you thank all you so much for coming. Yeah, thank you very much for organizing this, Perva and Courtney. And this will be um, eventually on the Kesey YouTube page. So if there was anybody that you know that didn't get a chance to come chat, but would still, you think, get something out of this, um, send them that link. All right. Have